Good morning, church. It's great to see you. It's great to be with you. I, too, have been thinking about Pastor Brad's sermon last Sunday on community. You know, there, there are some days when I need to be with you in community for me. Anybody else? And I also recognize, not as a pastor, but as a believer, that there are others who need to see me present in the community. Being in community is not just about what I derive from the community. It's about what happens when we are together in the community because there is something that happens in the community that doesn't happen anyplace else. That's why it's important to be here, to be here. And there are even days on Sunday morning where I say, I don't want to go. But I have to go. But think about that. How have you had times in your life when you got up on Sunday morning and said, boy, I don't want to go, but I'm going to go. And in that discipline of going when you didn't want to go, God met you and gave you a gift. And that gift comes because of that discipline of faithfulness. Because being in community isn't about whether I feel like being in community. It's about being in community because I have a responsibility to be in community. I have a call to be in community. For we believe, I believe, Pastor Brad and I believe, that the thriving life, we are created to thrive, the thriving life is made possible by being in community. And I know, I have listened to it in the 50 years I've been in ministry. People say, well, I don't need the church. I can do this by myself. No, you can't. It's not biblical, it's not theological, and in fact, it is selfish. And I get it, sometimes there's some muck and some stuff and there's, you know, I get it. But it's in the living of life together, it is the encouragement that comes when we get stuck or we get in the muck and somebody says, hey, come, I will walk with you, I will be with you, I will love you, even though your life is messy, even though you made a bad choice, even though you, the list goes on. There is nothing in the gospel, there's nothing in scripture that suggests we can live apart from the community and be in Christ. And so community matters. This morning, we're at week five of our eight-week series, Created to Thrive. And already through this series, we've explored what it means to have the presence of God with us and in us and among us. We've talked about creating a place of belonging. We talked about community last week. 
we've talked about those wonderful things that happen when we have the opportunity to embrace our invitation to thrive and fulfill what we've been created for. This morning, as our text from Philippians 3 was read, I've been thinking a lot about not just about what Paul says in those three, in those 21 verses in chapter 3, but I've been thinking a lot about how he got to be able to say those words in Philippians chapter 3. Because if you open your Bibles and you go back to Acts chapter 7 and 8 and 9, in Acts chapter 7, Pentecost had just happened. Stephen ends up on trial, and they agree to stone Stephen, and Stephen is the first martyr of the young church. And at the end of chapter 7, it says there, and Saul was standing there approving the stoning of Stephen. And 8 verse 1 is that very statement. But in Acts chapter 9, Paul, on the road to Damascus, breathing out threats against the young church and Christians everywhere, is interrupted. God shows up in the middle of Saul's life. And I've been thinking about what that means. What does it mean that God shows up and interrupts someone's life? And some of us have had that experience, thanks be to God. The interruption of God in our lives. Because the life we were living before the interruption was not a life pleasing to God, it was a life pleasing to self. And here comes God on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, in Saul's life. And Saul says, who are you, Lord? (laughs) I'm the God you've been persecuting. What am I to do? Go into the city and you'll find direction. And for the next three years, Paul Saul becomes Paul, and Paul is discipled. And he begins to experience the imagination of God in his life. Think about what that means. The imagination of God, that God has an imagination for our lives that is different than the life we would live without God's imagination. Imagination is the capacity to see what is not yet evident. It's the capacity to imagine something not yet in existence. It's the capacity to envision something different than what is currently present. When we pray the Lord's Prayer every Sunday morning after the pastoral prayer, we are imagining our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, that is a statement of imagination. It is an agreement with the imagination of God that what God has created in heaven would be present on earth. It is a statement about the kingdom of God becoming present. It is an understanding of the now and not yet. Imagination is the way that God helps us live in the liminal space between what is present and what is yet to be present. So here we are. And so here is Paul. And God has interrupted his life because God has an imagination for Paul's life that he has not yet conceived of. And think about the dramatic change in Paul's life. He goes from being the persecutor and the jailer of the Christians in the church to becoming the greatest theologian of the early church. He becomes the greatest encourager of the early church. He becomes the greatest voice of the early church. He becomes the most powerful shaping influence in the early church. And you say, how in the world does that happen? How does someone go from being this terrible, vengeful, mean person to being this over here? for which we would wonder today, how would the church ever become what it is without Paul? And it's because of the imagination of God that God comes into Saul's life, makes him into Paul, recreates him, makes him a new creature, and redeems his self-driven life into a life for the kingdom. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Because when the imagination of God comes and interrupts life, it is a critique of what is. And it is a path to what is to be. It is why the world is so troubled by the presence of a Bible-believing community of believers. Because if we are to be the people of God as Paul became a person of God, our lives become a critique of the world in which we live. It becomes a critique of the systems that oppress people. It becomes a critique when we pray, as Pastor Brad did this morning, on behalf of those who are enslaved, those who are immigrants, those who are refugees, those who are trafficked, and there's a whole long list we could talk about. Just as the imagination of God was transplanted into the life of Saul and redeemed the life of Saul and made him a new creation in Christ, so are we. For our lives have been interrupted by the imagination of God at some point, many of us. Perhaps not all of us, but many of us. And we should say thanks be to God that God interrupted our lives with his imagination and changed us. And that his imagination for our lives was a critique of what our life was when God interrupted us. Thanks be to God. I'm glad somebody had an imagination for my life. 
The imagination of God is an invitation to an adventure that is unknowing, that is unknowing. I have spent all of my professional vocational life in nonprofit work. Nonprofit's an important word. In that professional vocational life in nonprofits, I have hired a lot of people. And oftentimes in that hiring process, when we make an offer to them, they will pause and say, but in the open market I can get, yes, you can. You will never make in a nonprofit what you can make in the open market. So if that's what you want to do, go do that, but you won't be doing that here. You see, life in the kingdom is like that. There are some things when God interrupts our lives that we leave behind from the old life and we're not doing that anymore because we're not living in the open market anymore. For God has called us into being a part of the kingdom of God. And so with that comes this critique now that is not just a critique of our own lives, but to live a life that itself becomes a critique of the world around us. And that's why issues like justice and service are so prominent in the scripture. The word justice is used over 300 times in the Old and New Testaments. If you consider the Bible to be the word of God, then you need to consider, we need to consider that if it's repeated so often, it's like my mother. When my mother repeated something more than once or twice or three times, I should probably listen and pay attention. You see, in my house, it was Joe, Joseph, Joseph Ezra Watkins III, you see, there was a slow ramping up of attention-getting authority. And by the time we got to my full birth certificate given name, there was an edge to that voice. But when God talks about things like justice over 300 times in the scripture, we should pay attention. It's not something we should be afraid of. Because if we believe that God is providing for us and God is our provision, then you can give away and you can outgive God. It's not possible. It's not possible. You know, because God comes and God provides and God gives us this unimaginable future rooted in the imagination of God and God has for us amazing, incredible experiences that lie in front of us. For the imagination of God is an invitation to improvisation
Improvisation is not a great weighty theological word, but it's a word that describes life for all of us. Improvisation is what happens on the fly, usually. Improvisation is what happens when something unexpected takes place and you've got to find an answer or solution. And so you find an answer or solution. And so we improvise. But think about this. If when God interrupts our lives and redeems our lives and gives us a new future that is yet to be seen and yet to be known and yet to be experienced and we recognize we have to improvise, we then improvise under the guidance, under the provision of the Holy Spirit of God. We are not left alone to improvise on our own. And that improvisation becomes real out of the resources of God. One of the things I've learned after 50 years of ministry and leadership is that most of leadership is made up. In other words, you make it up as you go because no plan ever worked according to plan. Right? I feel very comfortable saying that most of leadership is about improvisation than it is about intention. And I've been a part of strategic planning, you know, back, back in the day. I'm old enough to use that legitimately. Back in the day, organizations would plan 10 years out. They developed massive strategic plans. And over time, they recognized that the longer the strategic planning period, the more speculative the plan became. And so they began to shorten the period of time for which they strategically planned. And nowadays, most organizations recognize that the world is so dynamic that the question we have to ask is, does this get us toward fulfilling our vision and our mission rather than a big document? that's gonna be irrelevant in just a few months. And so we improvise. That's the way life is. How many of you set out when you were young and said, this is my plan, and then had to improvise? Anyone? Some of you are sleeping, some of you are lying. <laughs> some of you are a hopeless optis, optimism, optimist. But something comes along and changes everything. We've all had it happen, haven't we? Something came along in our lives and changed everything and we had to adapt, we had to pivot, we had to improvise. And yet as we live in the presence of God's imagination from when God interrupted our lives and we improvise at that point, what happens 
is that we look back on life and say, God provided, thanks be to God, I had no idea. And here we are. It's one of the reasons we need to be in community together is it's so other people can witness the interruption of God in your life and the improvisation of God in your life. Because you are witness to the activity of God. Whether you recognize it or not, there is someone watching your life. We've got these young people in Tampa, Florida, going to Nazarene Youth Congress. They're coming home. We have college students on the platform in the worship team. They're home for the summer. They are watching our lives. And they're watching to see if God will provide in the season of improvisation as we say God will provide. And they're watching. I don't have a dramatic God rescued me from a life of crime and murder and things like that. My testimony is I grew up in the church. I think the Sunday after I was born, I was in church. I lived a pretty boring life. And there are a bunch of us like that. We grew up in the church. We lived a pretty boring life. Except some of us who grew up in the church didn't have boring lives because we decided we didn't want the boring life of the church. And so we wandered off on our own for a while. And the Spirit of God interrupted us, thanks be to God, and brought us back into the community. You know what the great testimony is of the boring life? Discipline. Just showing up. There are amazing things that accrue in life by just showing up over and over and over and over again. The Spirit of God blesses that as much as the Spirit of God blesses the dramatic testimony. Think about what it means to have the imagination of God come and interrupt your life and change your life and invite you to improvise in life in a new way. Because whether we recognize it or not, we were improvising before God interrupted us. And improvising rather poorly, I would suggest. So what does this all have to do with thriving? Well, as we have already said, people thrive in the context of great theology. They thrive in the context of the presence of God. They thrive in the context of a place of belonging. They thrive in the context of a community of faith. And there is witness born in the imagination of God and the improvisation of life in God's imagination. And we can go back through the Old Testament and New Testament and I could give you a list 
as long as my arm of all of the times God interrupted in time and space and in history and created something brand new. I was thinking this morning about a man named Gideon. You remember that story in the Old Testament? The angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, Oh, mighty one, you know what Gideon's doing? He's hiding out in the wine press. And he is startled by the greeting. Oh, mighty one, you are to lead the people of Israel, not me. I'm the least of my family, which is the least in our tribe, which is the least tribe in Israel. I'm not your candidate. Oh, yes, you are. And Gideon goes on to become a leader that he never envisioned until the imagination of God interrupted his life and said, there's something else for you. When the church gets involved in places of justice, in places of helping those who are less abled, in helping those who are less fortunate, in helping those in our community, in our neighborhoods, when you get tangibly involved, and you embody that theology, the world begins to change for a person. Some of us are gifted at going and helping do those things. Some of us are gifted at helping change the structures that reinforce poverty, that reinforce racism, that reinforce those kinds of practices that keep people down in the place where they are. But you become and I become the imagination of God in those places. And those places get interrupted. It's kingdom work. Paul writes in Romans 14, 17, there is now no longer any Jew or Greek. There's now no longer any slave nor free. There's now no longer male or female. All there is now are the people of God. Think about those words in Romans 14, 17. Those were radical words in Paul's day. A little over a year ago, Joan and I visited Ephesus. And while we were there, our guide said to us, one of the reasons Paul got chased out of Ephesus was he was talking about the value of women. For Paul was the first voice in the early church to elevate the status of women. You see, all of that elevation of women comes out of the early Christian church. It's an interruption in the culture. It was justice. Thanks be to God. Amen. Women, 
Thanks be to God that a man named Paul speaks justice in the place of Ephesus. And as we walk down that nearly destroyed city, we walk past where the temple, was it scholars, was it the temple of Diana there in Ephesus? Huh? Corinth? I got the wrong city. That's my fourth mistake this year. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I called Illinois the land of 10,000 lakes. I had people come to me and say, no, 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 it's Minnesota. <laughs> I found out who is from Minnesota. I had offended the Minnesotans. That was my third mistake this year. Thank you. The trend is not looking positive. <laughs> but in that city was a temple inhabited by women who were given for the needs of the pleasure of men. And it was a place of worship in a pagan society. And Paul says, that's not of God, this is of God. And he spoke against the practices of Babylon. Babylon's a metaphor we use throughout the ages. And so our lives, being interrupted by God, invited to be improvised by the Spirit of God, is a life to be lived against the practices of Babylon and the values of Babylon. And we say we have different values. And we're going to work against those things. And some of you in this place have given your lives to that. Some of you worked in education. And you taught children. You taught children from poverty-laden backgrounds whose lives were hemmed in and you helped them see they had a future. That's justice. So however God interrupts your life and improvises in your life, it is a life to be lived in the community that improvises in a way that becomes a critique against the dominant Babylonian practices of values. Don't be afraid of that. It's who we are. It is our birthright Thanks be to God. Um, I'm going to invite Pastor Mateo to come. I want us to sing that chorus again, Waymaker. Because I, I just, I don't know. I, I've been wondering a couple things in preparation for this morning. One is, is there anyone here for whom God has been speaking to your heart and wants to interrupt your life. Could I just say to you, on the life of Paul and on the life of many people in this room, God wants to redeem that life, whatever it has been, into something that God would envision, a different story for your life. and we will walk with you. The second question I've had is, is there anyone among us this morning in the 
balcony online in the sanctuary who has come in face to face with something so significant you're not sure how to improvise. Those days come, friends. You live long enough in the faith, those days will come.